Welcome back to Delcado Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Hey. <laughs> a lot of hype coming in to this. Uh, one. Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> so uh, today we are reading uh, another another Lovecraft section. So we have read the short story, The Horror at Red Hook, and we have read the first third of The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor Laval, I think. Um, Up to chapter six. Up to chapter six. That's right. Uh, But let's, I I have a little bit of a warm up for you, Mm. Dan. Mm. Let's hear it, Luke. It can't be worse than last week where uh, where we had the same warm up. No, no, this one's, I think, new. Um, and it relates to my athletic abilities. Mm, okay. So, Luke's going to brag about being a first-round draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys this year. That's right. If you hadn't heard. Um, <laughs> this is how he's we making do this, his announcements. Uh, I, I, I sneak away for an hour once a week from, from training. But no, I was on a basketball team again i'm sure i've talked about this before Mm -hmm. um but i was on a basket a a new basketball team recently and the lakers right that's right i'm gonna keep making this joke i i I hadn't played sports in a while Mm. like sports sports like here okay so the thing is i have like exercised a good amount like i'll go to the gym or I'll like go on a bike ride. Totally. Right? Yeah. But I have not done like competitive sports in a while. And what I was learning is that like separate from the skills going away, my body doesn't move <laughs> that quickly <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah. So like I think that I am like cuz I'm 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 not like <laughs> obviously not like super old to the point of it being like uh a downward swing yeah. so i'm like like on the stronger side maybe even faster side than i was at a much younger stage in my life uh-huh. however agility yeah so low it's the agility that gets you yep <laughs> it's, the, it's the quick change so- <laughs> in direction it's the oh nope that way psych so like as i'm playing defense in basketball I can't do anything. <laughs> People can get by me so easily. Luke it's is incredible. Luke is breaking breaking his ankles every play. I know. I know. It's it's honestly tough. And I was uh, so here's my question. Do I incorporate some little agility drills into my into my workout routine or do oh. I just give up? Cuz like you can train this, right? Like it's Totally. I think you've got a couple of options. The first, I'm concerned about your knees, Luke. Oh, always. We're always concerned about the knees, and I'm concerned that agility drills, agility drills, could exacerbate the issue. Sure, sure. And like, Fair. I, I think there's a chance they just explode. Um, <laughs> and so this is this is a risk we're gonna have to take if that's what we're gonna do. Um, okay. If they don't explode, then yeah, I think agility drills could help. I think there's an easier solution to this, though. Okay. Um, you're kind of old at this point. We're getting older, and call for the foul. <laughs> just, just don't go for it, and just call for the foul, and everyone's gonna feel bad. Like, oh, he's old. Like, we, we can't. 
just call for the foul. Sure, sure. Just call for the foul. Okay. I think so this is what it's saying, for. When, I, when I'm playing defense and I am so slow that the person I'm guarding gets around me without touching me, I'll be like, that's a foul. Go down. <laughs> Go down. Go down. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's smart. I think that's you smart. get a little invisible buffer window around you as you get older, and it gets bigger. Okay. Yeah, of and, course. And the idea is like, if somebody gets in your bubble, that's a foul. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It's a foul. Because it's got to be. In my bubble. <laughs> it's my bubble. I told you at the beginning of the game, this is my bubble. You got to stay out of it. You know I'm 29, so that means it extends out this far from my body. If you get in the bubble, it counts as a technical foul. <laughs> everybody everybody knows that. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a good idea. It's smart. Um Especially, yeah, especially when I'm in, <laughs> I'm in these intramural games with like 19 year old kids that can dunk. I'll be like, <laughs> just going down left and right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Either that or you just sit at half court. You don't play defense. You wait for somebody to chuck you the ball and you can do an easy layup. That's, that's good. I think also, so this was a three on three game. Um, oh, so that's going to be tough then. Uh, that was tough, but I have played some five on fives that are full court. Mm-hmm. And I think here's the solution. I think every team I'm on is playing zone. I'm not guarding one on one anymore. Rest of my life. Never again. <laughs> no more. No more one on one. Happy birthday, Luke. Uh, there's a lot of changes that come with this birthday in your life. One of them is uh, no more one on one defense. It's it's a zone. This is my area, similar to my bubble. Uh-huh. The bubble's there too. Yep. But my, my zone is a little bit bigger. And that's that's where I guard. I'm not guarding individual people. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, I think this is this is a good idea. You do have to get your team on board with it though. Sure. Yeah. Is your team is your team a bunch of retired folks as well? Like are y'all playing shuffleboard <laughs> at halftime? <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's either we do this. Or the person I'm guarding scores every, every play. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, huh? Mm. Do you think this is how people guarding like some of the greatest basketball legends of all time feel? Oh, for sure. So then what do they do? Um, do they just get dunked on? Is that what happens? I think they, they, either, they either get dunked on, they foul. Oh, thought about that, Luke? <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. Go for the slap. Making the, making the foul a big part of my repertoire. Uh-huh. Smart. Okay. Okay. Especially because, actually, Luke, this could be very effective. Because here's the thing. Fouls are not fun to play from either side, right? Right. And, like, you're not playing for any real value aside from fun at this point. Sure. So if everyone knows you're just going to foul them if they get close to you, you've created a bubble, Luke. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You've created a zone. <laughs> that guy just flails his arms around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, nobody okay. wants to get fouled and have to At shoot At a certain too. point, it's not a foul anymore because it's like you knew I, I'm over here flailing my arms. <laughs> If you if you come in, that's on you. That's not a foul on me. Uh, yeah, I can't agree more with that. <laughs> okay, 
That's good. That's good. I'll, I'll do that instead of my agility drills. We're giving up on agility. We're all, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a dexterity based class. Mm-mm. Certainly not a strength based class. Uh, mostly a luck based class. I okay. think, I think that's my, so we're going warlock my then. That's right. Yeah, that's the, right. The, the patron of patron saint of flailing your arms around. <laughs> giving you all your power. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, okay. it's a tough sacrifice to make because you're not going to get invited to a lot of games at that point certainly not <laughs> you know what not very many but i'll just be biding my time mm. they'll bring you into the playoffs because they need your zone defense <laughs> once they hear this once they hear this episode that's right <laughs> so that'll be that'll be how i play basketball from now on mm-hmm. um <laughs> okay let's get let's get to the book uh like i said we have read horror at red hook and the first quarter of Ballad of Black Tom up to chapter six. Mm-hmm. This time I read them in the correct order. Well, not, I don't know. They don't need to be, there's no correct order here, folks. That's right. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair. But it definitely makes more um, sense if you read the Lovecraft first. I will say that. Yes. Uh, so, so I guess let's talk about the Lovecraft first. Yeah. yeah. Can I start with a little compliment sandwich? Okay. 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 Yes, yeah, I want to that. do this. It's going to be a really big sandwich because I'm going to start with a compliment, and I promise at the end of the section I will end with a compliment. Um, okay. This so is these are the best types of sandwiches, actually. They're full, and Loaded you can't out. you can't bite them. It's too big for you to bite. Um, <laughs> but I need to do it this way. I want to start off by saying, uh, description, like his Lovecraft sentences where he's describing the setting. And mm-hmm. the vivid details he's including, the metaphors, very good. Very vivid. Sure. Great sure. job. Love that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, ooh, his, his hatred of the poor is what I don't love. <laughs> okay, wait, actually, had... can, we, can we figure out a structure for this sandwich? Are we going to go through each, each level quickly? Mm. Or are we, are we fleshing out each? No. Patty no, these are here. each each component is going to have a full meat and potatoes. With the sandwich is tall, it's going to okay. reach okay. several stories okay. in height. But I promise, there's bread at the end. I promise. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I, <laughs> yeah, I had a hard time distinguishing between what I'm assuming is going to be another layer of the sandwich, which is the racism. Um, I, I had trouble distinguishing his hatred of the poor versus just racism. Oh, I think they're tied up. I think we've got a little, a little match match made in <laughs> hell in hell right here. Uh, yeah. cause yeah. so there's this moment that I think is so fascinating in the first part of this book because he feels so close. And I, I know this is an author writing a fictional story. He's talking about like the underlying current in this poor like ghetto neighborhood that has sprung up. And he's like, there's this like mystical occultism that's coming in where there's like demonic forces that seem to be underlying the whole structure. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, you're so close to like the systemic issues here. It's just <laughs> not demons. It's not literal demons. Like these aren't people worshiping Satan. 
It's like prejudice <laughs> and racism and poverty. Those are like, that's the demonic forces. These people aren't sacrificing <laughs> kids to demons. They are. No, no, Dan, they have chosen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in in order to sacrifice children to the demons. Mm-hmm the that that clear good that's that's what they want right they want to be able to sacrifice children to the demons but they have to live in terrible conditions in order to get away with it and they and they've and they've chosen and they've chosen that right right okay yes it's their okay yeah ah hp hp buddy He's just like so close, right? He's like, hey, there's something underlying this whole thing, and I'm gonna bust it wide open. There's it's gotta, like there's gotta be a reason. I think I I think I know. It's like, yeah, bud. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty it's pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah. Oh. Uh, there's also a line that I wanna just like highlight here that really hit me, hit me rough. Uh, and I'm just going to quote directly from the book, Asian dregs wisely turned back by Ellis Island. Oh, no. Very tough. Very tough. Yeah. That was, oh, you know how we do highlights sometimes with books? Yeah. This is an opposite. This is a low light. This is, we need this redacted, I think. <laughs> this is very true. Um, this one is interesting because so the last lovecraft we read Mm -hmm. there was certainly a lot of this type of thing in there but i i I think it was like uh i was gonna say a minority of the book but i don't know if that's true but uh a much smaller percentage of the story yeah totally totally than this one yeah um this one i felt like the going back to your going back to your uh your piece of bread here the descriptions very descriptive very like interestingly written the issue is just that all the descriptions are negative descriptions of poor people <laughs> uh I, yeah i'll say a lot of them there were some descriptions that i read that it was about like the ocean or like the sounds sure. of the the ships on in the harbor and i was like oh that's a really kind of spooky way of describing that that stuff that puts me <laughs> in a mood and then i'm immediately taken out of the mood by the descriptions of the poor and the the less human races in this place that he that are being brought up here um, right. I used quotes. Right. You couldn't see, listener, but I was using quotes when I said less human, please. Dan, Dan forgot that we're me. on an auditory platform. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, yes. Uh okay. Do you have a do you have another another layer? Um I do. Uh this is just about like cops. And so <laughs> I mean it just feels like classic cops that they went searching for missing kids and claimed victory when they busted down the door of a scary, weird house and found no kids anywhere. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, guys, you're definitely hot on their trail. You busted up like a religious ceremony that there were no kids or any evidence of kids anywhere. I know. I know. At- also, um, <laughs> are you allowed to just go in here and... Just start breaking doors down? 
Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I've, I I didn't sound like there was a warrant anywhere in this. Uh, but the but it seems like the way it's written, our lead cop is like, we did good work out there. We were. I know it. <laughs> we we didn't have many leads, but we knew where they were, so we kept breaking their door down and looking. <laughs> I know. It's like this. These private individuals have hired us to figure out what's going on with this guy. So we just. We went in and started breaking doors down, and I think we did it. You know, I think it's good. No, but there's even there's even another level to this where it's like, yeah, we were we're these PIs hired by a, a family to find dirt on this guy. We didn't find any dirt, but we found a bunch of weird stuff, and we really wanted to keep busting his door down because he was <laughs> housing like immigrants. So we decided to just keep doing that under the auspices of maybe he has children kidnapped in here. Right, right. This is actually a, a another note that I have, which is they're they're going after this guy, mm-hmm. right? Mhm. And and the reason being that he was always kind of a cranky old lonely man. Um but recently uh, he's gotten really into reading a lot. Uh, he's got a lot of new friends. Great social life. Throwing parties uh-huh. all the time. Uh-huh. Got some interesting new hobbies. I don't really know what they are, but they're interesting at least. Yep. Uh, and we need to put a stop to that. We need. It's unacceptable for him not to be the cranky old lonely man. Dude's having one of the most incredible glow-ups of all time, and the cops are like... <laughs> Uh, sorry, you're hanging out with brown people, so it's got to stop. It's it's on a, you, something's wrong with you. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you are absolutely. You're looking absolutely magnificent. Uh, you're glowing. You're truly. There's an aura about <laughs> you that's just amazing. Um, but we need to stop it now. This is a problem for C- us. Clearly, clearly, you had some issues in your the previous way that you were living your life and the new way that you're living your life is so much, so much better for you. Um, (laughs) But we don't really like that, actually. You're actually not allowed to live in this part of town and be this happy and successful. Uh, Sorry, the happy and successful part of town is that way. Um, (laughs) You can't, you can't be thriving here. Sorry, we don't allow that. (laughs) So yeah, so they're just like, yeah, the demons we're blowing it up uh yeah yeah um uh this is somewhat related but it's getting more narrow from just cops in general to our main character okay um also if you have any any bits to add to the sandwich feel free to jump in at any point but i'm gonna just keep sure i'll 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 hold off because i have i have a a large patty at the bottom oh brilliant probably okay um so i mean this is going to be a theme as we talk about lovecraft i love to just just tweak it a little bit and take us out of like let's imagine an objective observer looking at at all this Uh that happened uh so our main character our main detective who who had a panic attack when he saw a building um (laughs) he like broke into this building looking for who knows what something he didn't know what but he's Mm -hmm. looking for something he found graffiti and poor people and he is like convinced there is something nefarious going on 
like right i get it's the 1920s or whatever or the 1930s but like dude go into any abandoned building anywhere and this is what you're finding you're finding graffiti yes <laughs> it's really not out of the ordinary no. <laughs> No, and dude's like, dude's pretending to be this amazing detective who is like blending this mix of intuition and intelligence with a with a feeling for the like mystical and like this third eye that is half open that he's really seeing things with. Um, I don't know, man. I think he just found graffiti and poor people and we're upset about it. <laughs> right. So it's OK. So here's the thing. Right. So uh, the writing for this is describing uh, the neighborhood of Red Hook a lot, right? And it's like, you know, super descriptive of how run down and everything it is. And mm-hmm. they're like, the the authorities have essentially stopped trying to fix it up and are trying to just wall it off at this point to not let anything out, right? Yes. And so it's like, okay, so it's already like common, I, I, I'm not going to say knowledge, but or I don't want to say knowledge, but it's it's commonly believed, right? That just like in this neighborhood, it's just like horrible trash everywhere, whatever, whatever. And this cop is like, okay, I know that. I'm going to go in. Uh, or <laughs> I went in and you're not going to believe this. Uh, there was horrible stuff and trash everywhere and graffiti. Can you believe it? Like, yeah, uh, man. <laughs> that's right. that's yeah. what you. That, <laughs> that's why we're walling it off, actually. Yeah. 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 And and the thing that blows my mind is he's concerned with the content of the graffiti. He's like, "Look, it is some messed up stuff. These are not Bible verses they are painting on walls, guys. These are these are weird words and and things <laughs> that I have a hard time pronouncing and like Greek words and." And they're like, it's dark. They've been listening to like Black Sabbath or something in here because, oh, they're all goth now. They went all goth in here, guys. It's it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. What is the content of the graffiti matter? (laughs) Dan, it's spooky. Okay. He was spooked. (laughs) And (laughs) this gets to a larger point, actually, that if, if I take a full step back from the story and and completely say how an objective observer might witness it, which is alluded to a little bit at the beginning. It reminds me of a parallel thing that's happening currently in our world. Um, Have you heard the stories of cops that are uh, investigating crimes, like houses or people's cars, and suddenly have symptoms of a fentanyl overdose and have to go to the hospital? Yes, yes. Okay. In a ton of cases where this happens, it is extremely likely that the cops are in fact having a panic attack because they've been so terrified by uh, cop training videos and the media that touching fentanyl will kill you. And so they're touching an unknown powder and thinking it's fentanyl and thinking they're going to die and immediately having a panic attack. And the reason why it's likely that this is what's happening, and I should say, the news has hyped up cops overdosing on fentanyl. It hasn't happened that many times, but in the few recorded instances that it's happened, Narcan doesn't have any effect on the cops. They like will administer a bunch of Narcan. It doesn't do anything because they're probably not overdosing on fentanyl. And when they go to the hospital, 
they refused to release any kind of toxicology report if the cop had fentanyl in their system or not. And right. so it is, in my mind, based on these stories, it sounds likely that the cops are just having a panic attack and they're not actually in danger. Um, granted, right. okay, I should say cops do a dangerous job in the world anyway. So like in some instances, cops are actually in danger. But the fentanyl stuff is like hype and anxiety, it feels like. That is what happened to this guy. Yes. The, I, I was thinking this too, um, that like kind of similar to our past one, there's no like concrete things. It's just like this guy seeing stuff. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it sounds like a, a panic attack or something like that. He, <laughs> yeah. It just has all the hallmarks of this, right? Like his his environment, his like fellow police are encouraging this kind of this is a bad place and his like inclination to see the mystical where there is the mundane or potentially mundane is like feeding into this too. And I, I acknowledge I'm stepping out of the mysticism of the story that Lovecraft is trying to craft here. Uh, but like... There's another it's, tale it's, to be told. I think, I think this one, for me at least, was very tough to get into the mysticism. Mm. And like, maybe that's because of the the like context of the author and everything and uh, the way that he describes things that brings that context, like, I don't know, to the forefront. Yeah. Uh, but it was very difficult to actually pay attention to to the like story and and here maybe i'll do my my last level of the sandwich here is it a story (laughs) (laughs) um okay it sounds like it's a description of a neighborhood it's a very negative description of a neighborhood but there's no there's i don't like a thing happens yes as i don't i'm I'm not comfortable calling this a story. Oh, interesting. I, okay. I have a similar sense, I think, that it was hard to find the definitive narrative structure to this. Right. Um, I mean, it does have things that happen, right? Like, maybe. Okay, sure. Things happen. Um, but. <laughs> huh. This is like if you've ever had someone. I mean, everyone has had this. Someone describing their dream to you mm. in vivid detail mm-hmm. as if it's really important. And it's like, I don't, this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like things happened in your dream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I guess because if you lay it out, what happened, like what you, what definitely happened in this is just like a guy went into a basement and found a scary cellar door that he opened and then had a nightmare well even even if we even if we go in and like and like take it at face value right so uh that part of it happens right the Mm -hmm. the police officer or the detective guy is like doing this whole thing and goes in uh and goes into this cellar door and then separately a guy is killed on his boat in weird in a weird way, I think. Um, 
and people pick him up, pick his body up, and it is in there, in that cellar door area. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a bunch of weird people and objects and whatever have a little parade or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. That's. I'm sorry, that's not a story. I don't know. What does it mean? <laughs> right. There's not a big arc to it. Yeah, like the last one was a story. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, whew. I mean, here's a question for you. Uh, is this actually just Back to the Future? Um, is this just Doc Brown becoming young again? Oh, the, the guy that dies, you mean? The, the, the Dutch guy? Potentially. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no Marty. That's my issue here is there's no Marty. Mm-hmm. But we've got a kooky scientist. We do We do have a kooky scientist. And maybe that's maybe we'll get the, the full explanation in The Ballad of Black Tom. Mm. Mm-hmm. Before we get there, I do have to put this bottom piece of bread on this sandwich. Um, yeah. I appreciate the ambiguity that we can play around with here we've had a lot of fun with the ambiguity in this story but it is it is inviting to the reader to be like what is going on with this weird phosphorescent creature and this altar Mm -hmm. what's what's happening in this weird zone this weird scary dream zone that's going on what what is actually the story here um Oh, uh, this is interesting. Okay. Because because Lovecraft never comes out and says like, hey, here's what's going on. Here are the forces at play that we're actually working with. He kind of leaves it up to us to be like, ooh, what is that? What did happen? Okay. Okay. And I sure. like it. Maybe, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's be- maybe my, my previous critique was uh, because I wasn't looking at Lovecraft the right way. Hmm. Um, yeah, maybe, or, or maybe we were anyway, (laughs) uh, I put my bottom bread on. That's what I have to say. That's my compliment sandwich. That's our compliment sandwich about Lovecraft. It's a great sandwich. Um, all right. Do you have, do you have any, anything else on this plate for the Lovecraft story or should we move on to Ballad of Black Tom? Yeah. I don't think I have any chips or a pickle here. Okay. Um, okay. So. Yes, let's get to Battle Black Tom, which we've read up to chapter six for. Um, and this one obviously has a much more, like, since it's obviously a longer book, we can actually get into the details of a person's character and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so, I don't know where I'm going with this, actually, but. <laughs> um, so, so Tommy is our main, is our main character, right? That's right. That's right. Um, Tommy calls himself like a con artist, like a grifter. Yeah. I think he's using the word wrong. Okay. Here's what I mean. The first job he does is deliver a book to a lady who who paid him a bunch of money for this special book. And he calls it a grift, 
But he still gives her the book that like burns in sunlight and does magic. It's just missing like a page at the back. Right. It's not like, like to me, a grift is he is, he has like added a little bit of flash powder to a regular old book so that when it goes in the sunlight, it burns a little bit and it gives the illusion that it's a magic book. No, 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 no. That's not it at all. He gave her a magic book. Like a grifter doesn't give someone a real magic book. There's no magic in a grift. There's never any magic right. in a grift. <laughs> yeah. I Okay. I think that this is largely true. Um, I don't know if there's some other things that he has done kind of separately off like in, in the past and more generally that he doesn't actually like talk about in detail, but the things that he talks about, it's like not that bad, I don't think. Like uh, so, so yours, and then he like plays music in a lot of places, and he's like, yeah, people like people think that I'm gonna be good, and then I'm not very good, and then people say that I'm really bad. It's like I don't know. I think that like some people think that you might be good. <laughs> this this is my other point. He's not really conning people. Like he's playing music. People are saying, I'd like to hire you to play at my house. And he's like, <laughs> okay, ha, what a sucker. I tricked him into <laughs> like, no, he just liked your music. And I don't know. <laughs> I get it. You only know four songs, which we'll get to in a moment. But like, he liked your music. So he's hiring you now. Like, that's not a grift. <laughs> you didn't cheat him out of anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, so the the thing that he talks about is he like, kind of plays a different character based on like who he wants to get hired by, mm-hmm. which like to some degree you could consider that like conning people, but not really. You're not like lying to people and then stealing their money. That's a con artist. Yes. No, You're this... like the people that are paying you are still getting the thing that they wanted. <laughs> it's, it's this, it's this angle, which like, it doesn't feel like a grift to me, but I can appreciate mm-hmm. describing it as a grift from Tommy's perspective. And it's this idea mm-hmm. that Tommy and Otis, his dad, sort of have this like strength from their position in the world where they're seen as like less and they're at a like disadvantage because of their race in society. They like take advantage of that for their benefit in in a way so the first example i think of is like otis's illiteracy is what allows him to take the last page out of the book because he's like yeah my dad never learned to read uh and i think implied here is that like he didn't have the opportunity to go to school because he's black and he had to be a bricklayer and so uh tommy could use that to be like he can help me with this book thing. So I don't give this lady an incredibly powerful, potentially dangerous artifact. And it's the same thing with his music, right? He's playing like jazz and blues, which are typically seen as like black culture, like a part of black culture. And he's like, hi, I tricked these white people into thinking I know the blues and jazz really well. And they think I do because of how I dress and that I'm a black guy, but actually I'm not very good at the blues or jazz. Um, Right. So like I get how it's empowering, I think, to call it a grift because he is kind of pulling one over on the society that has disenfranchised him and his father. 
but it doesn't feel like a true grift. Like this is not the music man who's going in and like faking a bunch of shit to a town to right. steal I, all their money. I feel like it's maybe like it's like a grift with no victims. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure, for sure. Because like the people that he is grifting, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I wanted a guy to come play jazz for me and i and i wanted like this like this like experience for today and i got it even even though like uh tommy thinks that he's not an actual like jazz musician or whatever yeah both people are still getting what they want so so it's it's not really victimizing anyone um the one thing that i <laughs> other note that i actually have that's kind of related is so he does end up getting hired by our 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 guy. I forget his name actually. Um, Sardiak or something like that. Something like that. The Dutch guy uh, who's into magic. Yeah, he gets hired to play some music at this party, um, and he's like, "I can't believe this. I suck at singing." I'm gonna make a broader point here. Hiring a musician that doesn't sing for a party, actually, I'm going to say good move. Honestly. Mm. Okay, say more, Luke. Because there's a couple reasons for this. Number one, I'm going to go on a mini rant here. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, sometimes when you go to restaurants and they have live music, it's great, right? Mm-hmm. Like, love, love to have a little live music at a restaurant or or when I'm getting a drink or something. A lot of times it's too loud. Yep. It's like, all right, like the music's great. It's too loud. I can't talk now. Now I'm now I'm at a concert. I can't hear you over the sounds of Smash Mouth. <laughs> and like it's it's very frustrating to me because I'm like, I really want it's it's so fixable. Just turn the volume down a little bit. Uh mm. There is a limitation, Luke. So the problem with a live band in a venue is if you have drums, drums are acoustic. So you have to match. Okay, but I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, go for it. (laughs) Like most of these times, it's like a guy with a guitar Mm. singing Mm -hmm. and playing Mm -hmm. a guitar. And he's just singing too loud. (laughs) (laughs) That's like 95% (laughs) of it. I see. So you would rather somebody just be humming out, humming out a tune. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. I got a guy strumming his guitar, humming a little bit. Mm. It's a great ambiance for my, for my meal in conversation with friends. I, I, do, I don't need lyrics. This is key, I think, is when it's ambiance music, when it's in the background, like lyrics are a detriment. We don't want lyrics because... Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. If I if somebody is singing a song with lyrics, there's a part of my brain that is just like kind of listening to the words that are that are happening. Yeah. A lot of song lyrics are nonsensical or even like ridiculous. Like when I say ridiculous, like either problematic or like unnerving in some way. There's a lot of weird things that people say in songs because they rhyme and they sound good, uh-huh. but don't make like but the sense is left out of it. If I hear that in a lyric, I'm thinking about it for the next like two minutes, just like on repeat. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? 
Um, and I don't know what anyone's saying around me. I am just on a loop of like, right. what is that lyric? Why did he say that? Right. Like, let me light your candle because mama, I'm sure hard to handle now. What does that mean? <laughs> Why did he say that? Why does he have to light her candle because he's hard to handle now? Like if it was hot to handle, it would make a little bit more sense. But he's not hot to handle. He said hard to handle. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Sorry. What were you saying about your dog? I totally zoned out for two minutes. Right. Exactly. This is this is the other half of my point. <laughs> so so okay. But getting getting back to the story and and connecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great, uh, yeah, he's a great guy to hire because he's just back there strumming and humming. Mm. That's what I want. Strumming and humming. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Luke. Maybe I'll go find a, somebody who can strum and hum for my next get together. Right. You, well, you first got to get the DJ, actually. You got to have a party with the DJ. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I do have to start with the DJ. Damn it. You start throwing more parties. Dave. I need to have some parties. Yeah. I gotta meet some people first. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you get into whatever whatever this guy is into. He yeah. seems to have no no problems making friends. A lot of them, actually. Uh yeah. Um, I do want to say I I, I want to stick with our with Tommy and his his band his performance. Mm-hmm. It just say that if I'm getting a gig from somebody. Uh, only knowing four songs is an absolute nightmare to me. If somebody says I'd like to hire you for a party and I know in my head I only know four songs, I am panicking at that point. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> Tommy's totally into it. Tommy's like, nice. This will be great. <laughs> I only need four. Actually, he only had three before this. <laughs> right. Dude got hired. Dude got paid like $400 to to play at a party when he knew three songs that's like 15 minutes worth of material guys this is this is why i think that he's phenomenal at playing the guitar (laughs) um (laughs) and just can't sing but (laughs) but yeah three songs it does seem like they're very long songs Mm maybe or he's playing or he's playing one of them on repeat because at one point i think he talks about like doing this for like 30 minutes on a song yes he does when he does his little demo tape for yeah the guy he was hired for which i was surprised it went on that long (laughs) right right um but it just shows that's all you need well we've yet to see what happens at the party Okay, fair, fair, fair. So, but, okay, but on the on the topic of number of songs that he knows. Mm-hmm. So, if this is your main source of income and your dad is able to teach you a song over the course of a couple of days, mm-hmm. three days, mm-hmm. something like that, um maybe l- learn more songs. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Right, like if it's not that, like if it seems like he could pick something up within a few days, maybe spend a couple weeks and have a whole album together. Right. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a couple reasons for this because I had the same thought when he was like, "Yeah, I learned another song with my dad. It took us a couple days." Um, and this is like his main job. The first is that 
he's not very confident in his abilities. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he feels safe to dedicate himself to this as his main job. Okay. The second is this isn't really his main job. Tommy's Tommy is wedded to the game, and the game is grifting in whatever form that takes. This is a step. That's true. This is a step on the way to the next big grift. Okay. Okay. Sure. The guitar was an He just investment. doesn't know what that big grift is yet, though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you would think it would be obvious because you have access to, like, I don't know, magic books. Like, literal magic books. Right? Right. But... Uh, it seems. But no, that's not it. He. It is impressive, his... his ability to not be tempted by this mm. by the magic book you mean yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean he feels very wise to me tommy feels like a person who knows kind of how the world works and how to move mm-hmm. in it in a way that keeps himself safe um right and i'm sure that's one over a very difficult life of being uh constantly attacked but um yes he's very good at knowing what's dangerous for him and to and how to avoid it yeah i mean i think he does make a point of being like i know that me looking at that it's not going to come to anything good so i'm not going to do it Mm -hmm. he's got a good head on his shoulders that's right (laughs) i I hope he keeps it because i'm getting very concerned i'm getting pretty concerned too but i do want to just say we do get a nice out with it. We do get a nice night out with him and his dad. Um, obviously, they have kind of an intense talk, but they go to a nice little, uh, nice little place, have a nice, interesting meal. Mm-hmm. Sounds lovely. His dad gives him a family heirloom. That's right. <laughs> He's like, "Here's my razor blade, son. I use this to defend myself, and I won't tell you how many people I had to kill to do it." I hope it protects yeah. you. It's pretty it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> but that uh that pineapple juice or whatever it was. Guava juice, I think. Pretty good. It's pretty good. It does sound good. It does. Uh I'm glad Otis came around to trying it because if he didn't, I was gonna jump right in there. I know. I know. But that was that was our our one I feel like lone nice evening that we're going to experience uh yeah i'm worried i'm hoping it isn't but yeah i don't know man i just want them to do i just want them to be okay and have a nice life you know (laughs) (laughs) for for him to be like yeah this guy was magic and as a result of that, we have a nice, quiet life in a cottage somewhere. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I decided to just take up guitar and forget all the grift. I left the grift behind. I took my $1,000 and now we just kind of hang out. It's nice. There's no white people around to kick me. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's what will happen, Dan. Could be. I hope so. I hope that's what happens at the end when this door gets opened and the part that we didn't read in the Lovecraft is like, and it sucked all the racist white people into the hole and they never came out again. (laughs) Right. Well, what's interesting actually is 
the relatively like positive view of the police officer mm. so far yeah the 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 one obviously not the bad the not the private investigator yeah 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 but the the one that has that's carried over from the horror red hook yeah i don't know if it's a positive like it's definitely not a negative perspective on him but he feels mm-hmm. really like weak it doesn't feel like he's a good guy it feels like he's kind of feeble and indecisive mm is the sense that I'm getting from him so far. Sure. Not that he's like trying to do the right thing more that he's like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe what I, <laughs> maybe what I'm viewing is not a negative interpretation means that it's a good, yeah, a good view. Like he doesn't shoot Tommy right away. And so it's like, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> He kind of treats him like a person. Right. Right. Yeah. Granted, he doesn't stop the private investigator from, like, clenching his neck in a big meaty fist. Right. And stealing his money. Yeah. Stealing his money. But he doesn't encourage it. So. Bar is very low. Do we give him points for that? I mean, we don't. I don't. We just, yeah, we're just not taking it away. I Mm. guess. Uh, I'm we're taking, only taking some away. Okay, I'm taking some away for sure. <laughs> we're taking less away than the other guy. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the bar is so low, guys. The bar is incredibly low. I know. I know. Anyway, um, Luke, you got anything else? No, not a notes. Okay. Um, I'm excited to see what happens with this pit, with this big hole in the ground, and and how Tommy grifts his way out of this mess Mm -hmm. because he he's got to man he's got to he's in he's in a weird spot um we'll see we'll see we're gonna finish up for next week and we'll be we'll be bringing hot takes and being dumb nerds 